Okay, we're going, to ch- we're going to talk about a theme that has to do with speech on Shabbat and what we need to be more careful about, some of the laws that are relevant to it. We have a Pasuk in Sefer Yeshaya, in chapter uh, 58, it's Pasuk Yud Gimel 13, it says that your items need to be, that your items need to be found, meaning, that you, the simple meaning is that, uh, now this is talking about on Shabbat, you don't need to start preparing things and, and worrying about what it's going to be on the weekday and all these things that are going to be after Shabbat and, and, and talk on them and, and, and maybe arrange them to be able to take place. That's one thing. And Dover Dover, that your speech shall be speech fitting with, with Shabbos theme speech. That your speech on the weekday, I'm sorry, your speech on, the, on Shabbos should not be like your speech on the weekday. Now, practically, halachically, the idea is that you need to uh, not do things, actions, or speech that will show that you need to prepare for the weekday. That's, that's one idea. Now, this is an Isr de Rabbanon. This is a rabbinical prohibition to, um, to speak in a way of, uh, as they say, not Shabbistic speech. Speech that is going to, oh, I need to take care of this after Shabbat. And you want to hire someone, let's say, after Shabbat. You're not going to pay them, or you're going to look for it. Those are, those are certainly rabbinically forbidden things to, to make those preparations. Now, let's go through some, um, some selected points. Firstly, in Kabbalah and Hasidus, it's explained that by Hashem, he rested not only, of course, from making the world, but he also, he also rested from speech uh, that had to do with creating the world, because Hashem created the world with speech. And we say Shabbat la Hashem. It is a Shabbat for Hashem inside in the Pasuk. And we're, in others, we have to, as it's brought in Chassidus, we have to commemorate and act as if we have a connection with this theme of remembering the Shabbat. And therefore, that's why we have to not only stop from doing uh, work, which is, some of it is biblical, forbidden, but even speech, which could be rabbinically forbidden. Okay, so, so, now, so now, there's another concept which is called uh, thought. So there's this also idea that on the that speech um, and action, of course, so action is b- biblically forbidden, some malachat at least, some acts, of the 39 uh, works and labors. Then you have speech, which is rabbinical, but then you also have thought. Thought is already, uh, it's brought in in, in, in Simon Shin, Shin Vav, in chapter 306, that Midas is to be careful even from thought on your mundane activities. But we, it's not forbidden in any way other than it's, that it's Midas HaChasidus. It's a way of extra piety. But um, speech is something which is closer to get things done, as, as you say. So therefore, it, can, it, it expresses itself that lack of uh, proper uh, following of halachas of speech could associate with rabbinical prohibitions. Okay, let's go through some uh, questions. So let's. Um, so we can't talk. We can't talk mundane business act activities on Shabbat. We can't say. Oh, I'm going to invest in this and that, right? Because that's that's truly out of the spirit of Shabbos and speaking about it is is, is very uh, not not fitting with its theme and, it, and it's not allowed. Can I? Um, what about if I? Uh, what about with a goy? So we we have you know in the laws of telling a goy what to do on Shabbat, there's different uh, places in Shulchan Aruch where he goes through. Um, 
you know, what you can or can't tell to a guy. So we know that you're not allowed to tell a guy to do work, an absolute malacha, flat out malacha that you're not allowed to do. However, what if you want him to do something which is actually permissible? The only thing is, is that it's inevitable that a prohibition will take place while he's doing it. But it's only, a, it's not the thing you're asking him to do. You're asking him to do something permissible. An example, let's say, um, well, we have in chapter 253 in Sif Yud, Gimel, Sif Yud, in the Shulchan Acharav, he says that if you had some food on your coals and you want to remove it off so it doesn't get burned, because it was in Shabbat before, before Shabbat started, there was food on the coals, and if you move the pot off the coals, it's going to cause some of the, the coals to dim out or burn more or so, which wouldn't be allowed. And it's inevitable. So there, the uh, rules, it's allowed, you're allowed to move it because the fact that you're just saying, I want food. You want him to bring you food. The fact that it's going to move when, you, um, when the guy moves it and it's going to cause the coal to burn more that's not your interest. You have no interest in that. That's a thing that happens even if it's psikresha, even if it's absolutely going to happen, but it's not your, what you're asking him to do. And the goy has no problem if that happens because it's, the goy doesn't need to keep Shabbos. So indeed, it would be allowed. And so too, I'll give you an example. Let's say you had left your refrigerator light on. When it opens, it's going to turn the light on. So you can't open the refrigerator. You know that it's going to do an iser. You could, however, and this is a true from Moshe Feinstein, he talks about this in Chelek uh, Bez, the second volume, Simen Samaches. He says that you could tell a guy to open the refrigerator for you because the guy is not, you're not telling him to turn the light on in the refrigerator when you open the door. You're saying take the, take the salad out of the, out of the refrigerator. The fact that the light will turn on, that's not your, that's not your interest. So that is not a forbidden dibor. That's not something problem for you to tell a guy. And so too with other things where the, uh, where the, the act, the forbidden act is a side thing that comes out from it, not the intent. Another topic. Um, so in, in Simen Shinzayin, there is a larger discussion about when you, uh, can you hint to a guy to do a forbidden act for you? So the answer in short is no. Just like you're not allowed to tell him, you're not allowed to hint to him, even though that you're not directly saying, oh, um, it, w- it would be nice if you would be able to um, make the light in this room somehow, uh, you can't do that, right? Because you're telling him to basically do it through hinting to him. However, if you hinted to him, which means not in a way of a command, for example, you're giving the guy an understanding what you need to get done, but you're not telling him he needs to do it. He'll have to be clever enough to figure out what he does need to do to help you out. Then it would be allowed. I'm not going to go into connecting that with lo- turning lights on or the like. I just don't want to talk on that theme. But I, the, the example the Shochanach does talk about is, let's say when a guy came with some mail and... You say, um, well, I can't open it. You say, uh, you know, it'd be nice if, uh, if I would be able to uh, read this mail, but I'm just not allowed to on Shabbos. 
I'm not allowed to open this seal, which I guess it would either rip something. Um, so then the goy is allowed to um, open it for you. Again, if he gets the hint and he he does it by, by his own calculation, that you didn't actually tell him to do it, you commanded, you, I'm sorry, you only hinted to him without actually informing that he needs to do it. So that would be, that would be permissible. This is mentioned in Simon Shin Zion. Um, and then another, another um, now, another detail and condition to that, that will, when it, it will be allowed in that case, if, and this is the condition, that the Goy is doing it for his own benefit. How so? Because he's doing it to fulfill what he was started out to do. So let's say he was a post office man, or perhaps a person who's delivering uh, items and, and, and in order for the recipient to get the final thing, you know, he, he, he wants to make sure that everything is good so that the person who is receiving the mail, he did his job. So then if, if he, he does some act, which is, you know, maybe only rabbinical, but he wasn't commanded to do it, so then that would be allowed. Could be that if you don't have to, uh, if it's a rabbinical thing, like perhaps some of these LED lights and you just have to kishkash or make some sort of like line or so, he could do it for you, if you in order to receive the package. It depends on how it's done, but it's possible that would be okay. And the wording is basically that he is doing it more or less for himself because he wants to get this package done with and he does not want it to sit by him. And he's really just doing it for his own benefit at that point. He's not even thinking in the benefit of the Jew. Um, another, um, another concept which is discussed, uh, interesting, is that let's say you have, it's in Sifud Aleph, um, you're not allowed to um, have a guy just come into your house, even if he's uh, hired by you, to start moving around uh, stuff and taking your items to sell it somewhere. He can't just leave your house on shop. So uh, because it, it is, at the very least, it has a form of marasain. If you're hiring to do the job during the day, so you're literally, he's your hired worker, that's not allowed. But even if he was just... To, to do it at the time that's convenient for him. And so you had a moving company come in and they come in, oh, we want to take everything out and you're still in your house. So we're going to start moving your stuff out on Shabbos. That wouldn't be allowed. At the very least, of Marasain. Since Sif Yudal for the Shulchan Acharav. However, however, if... Um, yeah, so <laughs> no however to that. It's just it's not allowed because of Marasain. Another thing is that there is another discussion, can a goy do an Isr de Rabbanin for a Jew? Which is, you know, there's one thing, I can't tell him to light a candle for me. Okay? But what if the Isr he's going to do for me is only the Rabbanin? So that is discussed in the Shulchan HaKarav in Sifir Beis, and he basically allows it, but there has to be certain conditions met. So one example is if there was mixes holy involved. A little bit, someone could be sick otherwise. So then you could tell him to do an Isar Dabanan. Um, now, an example of an Isar Dabanan could be, let's say you had a shofar on top of a tree. Climbing a tree on Yom Tov, I'm sorry, on Shabbos is rabbinically forbidden. If the only way to get, the, this is the classic Talmudic example, if the only way to get the, tree, um, the shofar was to climb the tree to take it down, so you could do that because it's also mitzvah related, and you're only telling God to do an Isar Dabanan. So any Isar Dabanan where there's, person could be sick if you're not going to have him 
do it for you, that would be okay. You don't need to get to a point of danger. It doesn't have to come to that. Just a uh, child is not uh, feeling the best. So he, the guy could carry the medicine through a Carmelis or in a, a place which rabbinically is forbidden to bring medicine. Not even if Chas Shama was a danger. Even if it was just a light, uh, you know, something light. But just it would, it would be better that you have it, right? Um, those are examples. And let's say you had uh, items that were getting ruined by the rain. So again, over there, it mentions in the same Sif Yud Beis that if, if it was getting ruined, there was a loss involved, a financial loss, you could have him move it out. At least the Alter Rebbe quotes that you could rely on this opinion. There is a, there's an argument about it, but you could rely on it. If there'll be a big financial loss, you had left some stuff in your backyard or, or outdoors, and if it doesn't get moved... And it was, let's say, in a Carmelis or something, a place that you can't carry the Rabbanan, you could have the Goy carry it for you um, if it's going to be a big loss of all. You have room to be leaning on that. Okay, and again, um, if the Goy, however, changes, he does a Shinoi on the way he does it on the weekday, he, in other words, let's say he's doing the act, but he's doing it differently than the way he normally do it. He does it with what's called a Shinoi. Uh, so even though it's a Shvus Gamur, even though it's a, he is doing a rabbinical prohibition, he would be allowed to do it. Afilu al yidei yisrael makam tsar. We know that a Jew could even do sometimes a shinoi of an act um, if there is. Just a, one one point to just fix is that if if we're talking about a shinoi, so then we could even be lenient by a Jew if there was tsar involved by pain involved. But this is if the guy did it himself. Um, without a shinoi, so it would be permissible if there was a need for it, and it was the Rabbanim. There is a last thing I'll conclude, a discussion about if you tell a guy to do a, a, a malacha, which itself, when you tell him it's, it's rabbinically forbidden to tell him to do any malacha, even if it's the rice, that, that itself is rabbinical forbidden that you're telling the guy to do something. But let's say you wanted the guy to do it in a shinoi, so then you say, look, can I have the guy, I'm telling him which is rabbinically forbidden and he's going to do it in a non-normal way, would it then be permissible? So there is a discussion about it. Shmir Shabbos Kielchasa talks about it. But I don't have enough of a convincing argument that he really, really allows it. But it does seem that he would allow, um, would allow that you could tell a guy to do an act with a shinoi for it to be permissible if you could tell the way he did the item that, it's going, that, that it was done in a shinoi. However, if the end result will be the same, then it will not really help that much that you are telling a goy to do an act with a shinoi. So you, I mean, just tell, oh, goy, turn the light on with your elbow, but the light turns on perfectly fine, and there's no, I don't, I don't see that as a, as a proper uh, header for anything.